Hey, and welcome to the HA Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, the host of this podcast, the founder of the HA Society, and an HA recovery coach who has walked wherever you currently are. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. I would love it if you could rate and review this podcast, five stars only, to help make this podcast easier for other women with HA to find it. And last thing, nothing from this show should be taken as medical advice. Please seek the advice of your physician. Hey there, we have made some exciting changes to how the HA Society works. So up until now, we've only opened the HA Society for a few days a month on every new moon. And this was because as a mostly one woman ran community, I wanted to be present with the members and improving on the membership experience for most of the time during the month. So I had started opening the society only for a few days per month so I could onboard new members and all that good stuff and then get back to the community calls and talking with the members and creating resources and all that good stuff. But now I am pleased to announce that thanks to having grown a little bit of our team to help out in the other areas, we have the capacity to be open all of the time for enrollment. So this is something that we're trialing, but I'm hoping that it works out and we can keep it that way. We also have a few other cool things in the works inside of the society, um, including a new course platform for you to go through all of our existing content and resources for us to be able to create more of those things to help you with your recovery. The HA Society is a community for women who both care about getting their missing cycle back and care about optimizing their newly recovered cycles. The idea for this society was to be more than just another Facebook group. I wanted to create a place with actual interaction between members and face-to-face calls. We call these our community calls, and I'm pretty sure they're everyone in the group's favorite part. I wanted there to be the opportunity to get one-on-one support in the DMs so that you have access to myself and really anyone else you want to talk to in the group at any time. And if you have quick questions, you know, I wanted you to be able to reach out directly and get like a bit of one-on-one support in that way. And I also wanted to create a place where the experts and practitioners come to you and you don't have to go looking for them. They, they come and they do events live in the group and you get to RSVP and join on Zoom and it's awesome fun. So you are formally invited to join us here in the AJ Society. I feel like I've said that word a million times already. But when you join, you'll be greeted by myself and you'll be able to start registering for the upcoming events. All of them are included in your membership and the community calls. You can dive into the replays of the past calls and you can binge all of the early access episodes of the HA podcast that I release that are not out yet. So we also have this cool resource library. We started it back in April and that has just moved into a course style platform and each course inside of the society is included in your membership. It's go at your own pace. We have everything from how HA actually works to 
everything about exercise, such as how it's affecting your HA, to how to reintroduce it and how to reintroduce it if you're an athlete. So all of the different levels, we're always trying to add to that as well. We have modules on how to chart your cycle with HA and after HA and modules on things like lab testing and HRT, navigating the medical system, mindset, body image, and even resources for our newly pregnant members because unsurprisingly, people recover and they get pregnant in the group. So we even have a support group inside of their four pregnant HAs. (laughs) And members of the society also get 50% off the whole HA resource store and other bonuses throughout the year are often included in for members. So if you're interested, which I'm sure that you are, because just like every other woman listening to this show, you are passionate about getting your period back. So head to thehasociety.com forward slash join, or the link is in the show notes as well, and join this community of passionate period pursuing women today. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join. Hey everyone and welcome back to the HA podcast. Today we have a special guest, Emma Burgess. <laughs> Did I say it right? Burgess. 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 Damn it. That's okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry about that. Um, it's okay. I get like Sharif and Sharif and all the things. So Emma is a recreational runner and I'm excited for you guys to hear her story because she has she has one of the more uncommon stories of someone who was able to recover and continue running something that's going to be important for you guys to keep in mind is that this is not like a an episode where we're necessarily saying that this works for everyone but you know it does work for some people and this is informational and interesting and you know if you have if you want to talk to emma i'm sure she'll share with you a place that you can reach her but just take a listen today Keep in mind that, uh, like, try not to listen only for the bits that you want to hear, if that makes sense. I think a lot of people see someone say they recovered with exercise and they um, they skip over the fact that, that that person had other circumstances or always professional help or something like that. And they just look for the bit that says, I can recover with exercise. So come into this episode, uh, just curious right now. And yeah, so Emma is a distance runner. She got her period back. She's going to share her story with us. It's pretty much the deal. Welcome, Emma. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. First ever podcast. Um, so a bit, bit nervous, but um, yeah, excited to share my story. Well, no need to be nervous. You and I have spoken many times now. Yeah. Um, Emma's in the AJ Society. So that's why I kind of like get hints of members' stories and get curious and like, will you come on the show? This sounds interesting. So will you tell us a little bit about um, A, your running, like what what running is to you? Um, Yeah, start there. Yeah. So I guess I I wasn't a runner growing up when um, I didn't go to a particularly sporty school, um, although I did do a lot of netball because that was the thing to do at the school. Uh, yes. So I was very, yeah. I loved, um, I loved that. And I, I was, I, I'm a very active person generally. Um, but I guess, so I'd always done some 
sort of exercise for fun. And I did a lot of horse riding when I was younger. That was my main love, horse riding and netball. Um, and then when I went to university, it wasn't easy to maintain horse riding because, um, you know, it's expensive and you can't do it all the time. So I guess I started doing different, I mean, I did bizarre things like street dance, which I was absolutely terrible at. And um, I did, um, my, my friend that I lived with did gymnastics. So I joined the society with her and couldn't even do a forwards roll. It was embarrassing, but um, I was just trying to find something that I enjoyed, I guess. Um, and then it was only after university when I moved to a new place. I'm from London, but I moved to um, a place called Canterbury for work. Um, and I joined a gym as a way of meeting people. And I did every single class in the gym to see if there was anything I enjoyed. And I really enjoyed the spinning, like the cycling. Um, and then there was a friend I met through the gym that went running. Um, so I went on a run with her um, so my first ever run was about seven miles. Um, so um, I don't know how much that is in kilometers for those that work in kilometers, but that's over 10 kilometers. And I remember having blisters all over my feet and, um, but I just absolutely loved it. And I think, cause I've been doing lots of spinning. I was reasonably good sort of straight away. Um, and then I did, you know, some, some races um, and I joined a running club. And I think just off the bat, I was reasonably good. People were saying, oh, you're really good for, for someone that hasn't run before. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. And I didn't have a watch or anything. And I used to go and explore. There were lots of beautiful woods. And I just used to go out and see how far I could run. And I had no idea how fast. And there was no, no competition with it. It was just kind of just pure joy. And it was, it, it was like I'd found my thing. Um, something that I just loved that made me so happy um, and I guess when I moved to London I joined a different running club started training a bit more seriously and became sort of quite competitive on the at the club the local club running club level so for those of you not in England we have a good club system um, where you can compete in cross-country um, and other and road races and track races so I started doing that and I just got better and progressed and I had big dreams of um, you know achieving maybe an England vest in something um, you know maybe even if it's I did a bit of mountain running I did a bit of so I did all different types of running I suppose I've done a, done a couple of marathons done you know, things on the track, thing, lots of cross country, which is probably my favorite thing. And I competed for, I suppose the best level I got to was kind of county level. So I completed, competed for the county in cross country and in some track races. So that's sort of my running background. Um, you know, I could talk about running all day, but it's a, <laughs> a thing I'm just absolutely love. And, um, you know, it's a very social thing as well for me. I met my husband running. And most of my friends are also runners that I kind of hang out with. And my coach is a very good friend and also my neighbor. So it's very much part of my life, integrated my life, I would say. Would you say that a part of the, the community that you've built around running has played a big role in why it was important to you to try and recover and continue running? Yeah, I think so. It's just so, so much part of my life um and it's more it's, it's sort of you know mental health as well um 
and actually yeah um my so so people around me are kind of running all the time and um you know it's quite social for me as well so i meet people I, I tend to do a lot of my running with other people um you know i i go running on a sunday with a girl and we just have a gossip and a catch up and it's my kind of opportunity to socialize as well and i i run to work um and during the pandemic i wanted to minimize the time that i spent on public transport which was which is my only other way of getting to work so although you know i i could have got around it if um you know i i decided to to cut down um i suppose it is very much around me all the time in terms of the people that I'm, the community that I'm around. Yeah, and I think that's really, that's why I asked was, I think that's common for a lot of people. Like their whole, yeah. they've spent so long making this such a huge part of their life, whatever their sport is. Yeah. That it makes sense that a lot of people would want to take a crack at recovering their cycles and continuing doing the thing that they're doing. And that was the same for yeah. me. Like I felt like my gym was my family and what yeah. was I gonna, what was I gonna do? So that's why it just like makes sense that a lot of people mm. would pursue this. So what happened for you in terms of losing your period? Like, when did that happen? How did you discover it? How long did you ignore it for? Cause you probably did. And yeah. then, um, yeah, go from there. So that's, it's kind of not really, sort of partly but not totally linked with the running so um I suppose going back I have to go back quite a long way so age I started my periods as normal age probably 13 I can't remember exactly um but then very shortly after that I I developed an eating disorder which was completely unrelated to exercise I wasn't you know at the time um it was also quite unrelated to my my body weight I was always very slim um, I think it was more to do with feeling very pressured academically at school and it was my way of dealing with some difficult emotions um, I didn't really get at that time when I had when I had that there wasn't a lot of information or support um, so I just kind of muddled through on my own very much so it was never diagnosed um, it was a way of, of coping I suppose um, and so after, after that, you know, I then recovered, um, I'm doing inverted commas or whatever it's called, um, because I suppose I never really fully addressed that as a way of coping. And so in periods throughout my life, throughout my twenties, when, you know, I was in a difficult relationship or, you know, there was a period of academic stress, I'd probably fall back into those tendencies of, um, you know, I always felt like nerves in my stomach. So, if, so I, then I wouldn't feel hungry or able to eat or something. So that was always kind of my way of coping. Um, and, and so in terms of my periods, I've never had a regular cycle um, and I'm now 35. So this is the first this year. Um, I've had a period every month this year. So I've reached 35 and finally um, had a regular cycle. So I used to have periods occasionally. I would say maybe one a year, two a year, um, depending on what was going on in my life. Um, I think there was a, period, a short period of time when I was on the birth control, but it didn't feel right to me. So I came off it. 
um, and that was when I was much, much younger. Um, and I remember I also had some bizarre things going on. So there was one particular time, I think it was a stressful time when I was doing my, my uh, training um, for, for my job. And um, I had a period that lasted about six weeks um, and it was very heavy bleeding for, I'm not even joking, six weeks. And at that time I, I went to a doctor and was like, what on earth's going on? And they said, oh, just take this anti-bleeding pill, you're okay. Um, and, and so, the, yeah, so I'd, I'd have a period. And, and I think every time I had a period, I'd be like, oh, I'm okay. Like everything's functioning, it's fine. And I think, I always knew it was because I probably exercised a bit too much and didn't really eat enough. Um, and I, I, I probably, even though I didn't have a, a label for it when I was younger, I probably knew that always to be the case. But I didn't really think it was a problem. Um, and I think I'd go to doctors and sometimes just bring it up and they'd say, oh, you know, you're quite slim, you run a lot, it's fine when you want to have children come back and see me or or you could go on the birth control those were the kind of you know that that was the the option or you know I even saw one doctor who was like oh brilliant how fast do you run like what are your running times <laughs> um uh sort of you, you know really yeah I mean so 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 I suppose um it was only recently um that I, I got married um, in February, 2019. Um, and also around that time, um, my I'd noticed my running performance was really declining. Well, it it wasn't, it was, it went from being brilliant for, for me um, and running my best times and my best competitive races to the next week, almost like crashing. It was almost like my body just gave up and I just, suddenly was way far back all of a sudden I went from I would say like a top five position in a cross country to like a 30th position this episode is brought to you by vital proteins I have been a collagen freak for ages and I started off making my own bone broth because I could not find a collagen supplement that I actually liked I started taking collagen early in my AJ recovery and no, it's not going to return you period, but it is going to support you along the way. As I was learning about how to optimize my health and my skin and how to return my cycle, all of the things, it became apparent that in the past I had been exclusively eating like lean meats, avoiding the fattier cuts, avoiding meat on the bone. Avoiding eating enough animal protein or animal products in general. And all of those things bring important vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that are really important for fertility. And one of those things was collagen. And it's the most abundant protein in your body. And it has an important role. Like it provides structure to your skin and it helps your blood clot. It's one of the major building blocks of your bones and your skin and your muscles and your tendons and your ligaments. It's also found in many other body parts like blood vessels and your corneas and your teeth. So you can kind of think of it like the glue that holds all of these things in our body together. When I started taking collagen and drinking bone broth and all of that good stuff, I started noticing um, a huge improvement in my skin and my hair and my nails. Like That was the first thing I noticed. And that's because collagen stimulates cells that boost the production of new collagen 
to support healthy hair, nails, and skin, as well as boost the production of new collagen to support healthy bones and joints and muscles and tendons, which we all know is really important right now, especially if we have been missing our cycle for a bit. Making my bone broth got really tiring as much as I love it, especially in the summer. I did not want to be cooking this big pot of soup every week for hours and like dealing with this animal, this like chicken carcass. And it was all of a a lot of work. So I was really excited when I finally found Vital Proteins. Today, they have a bunch of products and I love them. And I take the collagen peptide powder. So each serve of Vital Proteins, it depends, they have lots of different products, but the one I take, it has a serve of 20 grams of of collagen, 100% of my daily value of vitamin C, which is an important vitamin antioxidant that can help promote the production of your own, of collagen inside of your skin, which is, you know, really good for your skin. So it comes in a powder form, which I love because it dissolves in either hot or cold liquids. So coffees and smoothies. And I actually mix mine into my yogurt bowl each morning. So I'm having plenty of fats from that, like fats from the yogurt and carbs from all of the fruit and the goodies that I put on it and then protein also from the dairy but adding in the collagen just helps boost it up and get me more of what I've been missing for quite some time so add some vital proteins collagen to your day head to vitalproteins.thasociety.com or head to the link in the show notes and shop their whole range to find a collagen addition that works for you If you subscribe to their mailing list, you'll get 25% off your very first order. And if you stay subscribed, you continue to receive 15% off. So it's definitely worth checking out. And they do ship internationally. Head to vitalproteins.thasociety.com or go to the link in the show notes. So I I went from from going... um... Yeah, from being kind of, you know, top three, top five position in in across country in the same league and the same sort of people are turning up to about 30th or something and just feeling terrible. Um, and it was almost like all of it, it was almost like, I'm sure there was stuff happening underneath, but it was almost like suddenly crashed and felt awful and things that had felt amazing were suddenly feeling awful. And all this while I kind of knew that I'd pushed things at this point a bit too far. Um, like I'd just lost too much weight. I would was really training too hard and just pushing my body a bit too much. Um, and I just thought I've really got to sort this out because actually if, if I want to reach my it was kind of more performance driven because because I was kind of like, do you know what, if I want to reach my potential in this sport and get the best out of myself, which I really do, then I've got to start like fueling my body properly and being healthy and having a regular cycle so I can adapt to training. Um, and, and the second thing is that, you know, I do want to have children and I'm reaching an age where I really do need to sort this out. And also, you know, I, I was just kind of hearing more stuff about reds, about about HA, um, you know, list, I, I think it's become much more prevalent. You know, there've been media stories um, about it and about runners as well. Um, and I think 
one of the reasons I never addressed the issue is because I ne I've never had an injury. I've somehow got a very resilient body, which I'm extremely grateful for. Um, and I, so I've never been injured. And I don't have bone. I mean, I, I I don't have bone density issues. Um, and that's I think that's genetics um, and luck. Um, so you know, and, and, and I appreciate that's a really privileged position, but actually it, it meant that I never really addressed it because I was performing well, I was feeling okay, and I was improving, and you know, I wasn't getting injured. Um, but I think there was always a sense that the girls that I train around me were getting, were doing the same work, and they were adapting better, they were getting better, and I was putting in the same, if not more, and just not making those adaptations. So I think I just knew that it wasn't right. Um, and I think I had a real internal deep down knowledge that I needed to address this um, yeah. period issue. That's one of my favorite points when, when talking to girls who specifically considered themselves athletes or competitive or anything um, like that, there's, al there's always this theme where they saw maybe they were not not adapting or their performance was not improving, like they weren't making PVs anymore. And so they do more and train harder. Yeah. And, you know, depending on the sport, eat less, right? Like, cause maybe, yeah. maybe they're trying to lose more weight and it's not, it's not coming off. And it's funny when we can get you recovered and kind of like do a reset and start again. And especially as you get older, training less is actually more efficient mm -hmm. and we don't realize that the 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 last time training super super hard seven seven days a week is effective for you is around puberty yeah. <laughs> and then like once you hit your 20s it's double day sessions and working out every single day the impact it just starts to become less and less impactful and especially when you're in your 30s and mid 30s onwards for most sports is classified as masters level mm. for some reason um, yeah. and you know those people it's training less and allow giving yourself the time to recover and ensuring that everything in your body is functioning hormonally like that is actually where you get the most adaptations so it's really cool to like see people figure that out yeah and it sounds like that's what you were to hoping to achieve yeah definitely and I think you know you get you you get better by um you know, in the time that you're resting and recovering and adapting to the training. And you can't really adapt to training without having proper hormones because it's hormones are, are not just your, you know, estrogen and progesterone and luteinizing hormone, but also your human growth hormone and the things that, and you need to go through the cycles of those hormones. And there's a lot more research it coming out into that now and every time I was struggling in recovery I'd I'd try and lift you know read the research on the performance side of things because that's what kind of drove me if I'm if I'm honest you know I mean I think if I'd had really bad bone density or loads of stress fractures or something like that then that would have been a driving factor but because I didn't um the the main driver for me was the kind of performance piece and getting the most out of myself and not wasting any more time because 
I think one of the things that my husband said to me is he was like, you've left yourself nowhere to go. You can't possibly train any harder or get any thinner or eat any less. Um, and so it's like you're going through this one path <laughs> that's that's, you know, how far can you really take that? I mean, um, and so it's almost like you have to pull back, reset everything in order to and it might take a bit longer, but ultimately the ceiling's going to be a lot higher and a lot more sustainable. Um, and also, you know, a lot more fun and and you're, you're going to know that you're healthy. And I think there was another another piece as well where I, I was training and in my club, there were quite a lot of younger athletes, a younger girls going through puberty. And I really wanted to be, I really felt like I needed to be a good role model. I didn't want them to look at me and think, well, she's running really well and she looks like that. And so therefore that's what I need to be because that's not, I felt a responsibility to those younger athletes to be a good role model and a good example of, of healthy sustainable performance and I love running not just for the performance I want to run into I'm going to be one of those people and I just know it who's like a hundred doing like you know some race right at the back still you know trying to push myself because I love it and so I want to be running my whole life I don't want to just crash and burn and disappear off the face of the earth you know in terms of the running scene which unfortunately you do see quite a lot you see girls coming for a season or a couple of seasons performing really well looking extremely thin and then then they're gone um and they you know sometimes they come back sometimes they don't but you know, unfortunately, I do yeah. think that HA is quite common in the running world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think since I've opened up a bit more about my story, there's a lot of girls that I've spoken to in my running club who have also lost their periods, who have come to me and said, I've lost my period. So I, I do think it's something that's not talked about that much. But when you start to open up to other people, then they they are able to be a bit more open about it. And oh, I think yeah. things I, are changing. I think a lot of the time people seek help for it is because someone else had the balls to talk about it. I think that, yeah. that keeps on happening, makes people feel normal. That's why we share these stories, makes people feel normal. And that's the other thing that I, I'm excited to have this conversation about is just to kind of like wrap up that portion of the conversation. It's okay to love your sport and the community and the life that you've created around it. And having HA doesn't mean, which lots of people have been made to believe, doesn't mean you have to give it up and you made this wild mistake and you became super obsessive about it and you, you must quit and now live a different life. That's going to happen for mm. some people because that might be some people's path, like maybe obsessive exercise, you know, is a thing for them. But some people love their sport and the community that they've made. And HA is scary because they're feeling like they can't have that anymore. And I think just everything you've shared about, you know, your desire to be a role model, uh, the community that you've made, the realizations that you had along the way and how you could approach this differently is just really important for people to know that that's an option. 
for you. And it might take longer or whatever. And we're going to dive into like, okay, well, what did you do and what happened now? But yeah, you know, it's okay to, you know, want to go back to sport. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, I think I probably have a different, slightly different relationship to running now than I did yeah and I think it's a much sure. better relationship um yeah. but I think it's always gonna I, I'm pretty sure I mean it might it might not be always a part of my life and and that's fine too I mean horse riding was a huge part of my life and and now it's not and maybe it will be again in the future but you know I don't think I was gonna I, I knew I know myself well enough to know that I'm not going to be one of these people that's like oh my gosh I've just realized how awful exercise was and how I never want to do it again or you know um that that's not me I love being outdoors and I love moving my body um in a way that feels good so and um bonus question for you before I ask the next one is what was your netball position oh yeah I love that um so I my favorite was the wing defense because I liked going out for the center pass um, but I mm. often used to get put as goalkeeper or goal defence. I preferred goal defence. I'm tall. Yeah. So so I got put in the... I, I was always upset ring. to be a goalkeeper. I didn't want to be confined to that semi-circle. I know. Yeah, yeah there's less action um, happening. But my favourite was wing defence. That's that funny. Fine. I'm I'm wing attack, so... Uh, yeah. I love going out for the centre pass. It's so fun. Yeah, I mean... We could have been, we could have been uh, you know, I could have been marking you. Yeah, yeah, we would have, we actually would have been a part, direct opponents. I love yeah. it. Great. No, so I good. love netball, and there's no netball in the states. It's just not. No, and it's really heartbreaking. For me. That really is. What do they yeah. do instead? Basketball or? Oh yeah, volleyball, but everything else: yeah. basketball, softball, baseball, soccer. Mm. Just Netball's not netball. So fun, netball is a very Commonwealth sport and i think it's but even if you look mm. it up on wikipedia it's like australia is the place for netball even ahead of yeah. ahead of england so okay it might yeah. just be us too <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think they do yeah. it here like this adult netball i've got a friend that does it i was thinking oh, about going for, yeah for sure in the uk you can play it at any yeah. age yeah. Same at home. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a no-go. I've tried many times. And also she said to me that, that if I went, I would feel really short, um, which I, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to feel short. I'd like to have that experience. I'm probably about five right. foot eight. So I don't usually feel that short, but apparently she was like, you'd be the shortest one. Wow. Okay. Apparently Jeez. they're all really tall. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a tall girl sport. Uh, yeah later on there you go well the more you know so I love this background now tell me you know what when you started taking action to HA what was the path what did you do right so I probably I didn't properly start take I, I sort of started very tentatively I would say um, you know, well, right in 2019, when I had that realization that, and also my performance just detonated, to be completely honest. So I got married in the February, um, and then I definitely worked on my nutrition kind of myself. Um, and, but I did, as, as my wedding as a wedding gift, I got um, given a marathon um, 
to run it, <laughs> which is a bizarre wedding gift. Um, and so did my husband. So, so I actually probably did more training than I ever had over that autumn and then ran a marathon at the end of that year. So I, I'm not sure a period was really on the cards and I'm not sure I was really, I was quite, it was kind of in my mind, I suppose. So maybe my eating had improved a little bit, but I still wasn't really, you know, actively pursuing it. But I would say when the pandemic hit, um, which I know for a lot of people is a time where, you know, they thought, okay, this is an opportunity where well, I thought this is an opportunity to really go for this, uh, you know, more in more of a proactive way. And also I think the removal of races just removed that pressure of racing and that stress around racing. Um, so there was no stress and there was no pressure and, and I wasn't training in a large group of people, you know, really pushing myself because I'm competitive and that's what, what happens. So I would say, um, you know, my training was much more relaxed, um, not just physically, but I think one of the most important things is emotion, you know, emotionally, the emotional stress um, was much less. You know, I was training either with my husband or with um, my brother-in-law um, who were just kind of chilled people. And I wasn't, you know, I used to kind of maybe get a bit nervous before sessions or before races and all of the stress around it. And I just didn't have that. It was much more fun, much more free. I actually did some training with my husband where I didn't even wear a watch or he wouldn't let me look at the times or be competitive with myself or that sort of thing. So in the lead up to competition, you know, you're, you start to narrow in your focus and your goals and, um, you know, maybe even your your nutrition and all of those things, like as a weightlifter, how much you weighed was really relevant mm. to, to your, like you had to weigh a certain amount, like in the competition. So the closer you got to competition, the higher the stress, because you're preparing to like practice the lifts that you're going to achieve on the day. And that's really stressful to like go into the gym and be like, God, I hope I get it. Because if I don't get it today, it's going to make me less confident on competition day. And I'm cutting weight probably. And like for a lot of people, the pandemic, that was removed for an entire year. Yeah. There was none of that happening for anyone. And yeah. it was just regular off-season training. Yeah. Feels good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it was just kind of doing doing kind of base training or you know it wasn't sort of uh you know it was it was more relaxed um I would say and um you know I also started you know eating better or just making more of a effort with meals and snacks there was more time for that more time for cooking um more time for sleep um and rest and you know uh some nice gentle yoga in the garden, less kind of traveling and rushing around, um, you know, less kind of work stress for me personally. Um, I, I mean, I do work in a hospital and I did continue working in a hospital, but you know, that I wasn't on the front lines or whatever. And I was doing a lot of online work. Um, and then, yeah, I got, um, lots of I started getting lots of signs, lots of you know cervical mucus, and you know I felt like my body was trying to. I felt like my body was trying to do something. Like it was almost like it was in a mini cycle. Um, and I had um, 
this is probably quite a lot of detail, but I had I had what my what my mother called a white period. So you know when you get the kind of creamy, um, and and my mum said that um, she she used to get that always before she got her period. And now that I actually have periods, I do get that anyway. But I used to have that, you know, in a kind of two week or some sort of cyclical pattern. So I felt like things were happening, and I think it was. June or July, I had a I had a period, um, which which was great. Um, at first, for for a long for about four four five years or something, I think. Um, and then I was sort of like, oh hooray, I'm fixed. Um, <laughs> and I got two I got two more quite quickly. I think the cycles were kind of maybe 21 or 28 days later and, and then I got another one but the, the, the two afterwards were much lighter and I thought I know this isn't normal for me to be this light I wasn't tracking anything at that point so I'm not sure whether I they were they were ovulatory or not um, and then they went away so they sort of went away in about September November last year and I thought I sort of know what I need to do but I, I actually at that point sought the help of a, a nutritionist I think who who is a runner herself who actually had reds herself um, and she just kind of looked through food diaries and we made adjustments and I really worked on the nutrition piece um, with her um, just holding holding me a bit more accountable and just having that real consistency and I'd already I was already I would say most of the way there but it was very small things you know and it's it's interesting how those small things when you're nearly there can make a big difference, like an extra handful of two of nuts, you know, more Greek yogurt or mm. just, you know, um, I honestly think not, I, I cut out caffeine mostly. Um, so switch to decaf, um, you know, but I think just almost like adding an extra couple of handfuls of fruit and nuts, you know, in addition to everything else I was doing or, you know, kind of just is enough to kind of tip you over almost and so then I this year I've had a period in January February March and April um all kind of normal length of cycle um and I have been tracking which which means that I have I, I have been ovulating um from my body temperatures and but I do know that my luteal phase is still short. It was very short. It was literally like four days mm. and then it was seven days and now it's up to nine. So I'm I'm really grateful for that because I think if I wasn't tracking, I wouldn't know because my cycles are like, the bleeds are normal. They're kind of five days and they're also- yeah, You'd like be like, about, I'm perfect. About, about 28 day cycles. So I'd be like, oh fine, this is great. So I think the tracking mm. is so key because actually I think if it wasn't for that, I probably would have ramped up the running or eased off on things a little bit. And I know now from my experience at the end of last year that I really need to keep doing all the things that have got me to this point mm -hmm. rather than, and, and also that I need to keep doing all those things forever. Like it's not just that you do them to get your period back and then you can you can kind of stop doing fueling um and and in fact if i if i do increase my training in the future i will need to increase my fueling and 
and monitor my cycles so I can see what impact it's having. And until my luteal phase, I think is, you know, much longer, you know, 12 days or whatever it needs to be, um, I'm not going to change anything at this point um, because I've, I've learned yeah. that now. Um, if, if, if anything you change, you'll probably have to continue adding steps to get it where it needs to exactly. be. And I, you know, exactly. And I think, you know, adding more, the, I think the fueling part for me was absolutely key. Um, and it was, it was a whole host of different things. I think frequency, um, I mean, lots of snacks, it worked for me. Um, and lots more carbohydrates, lots more of everything. Um, I think. Do you feel like you doubled your intake or not as much? Oh yeah. Um, if, if not more, I mean, yeah. I mean, I look back now and I'm sure people have this experience as well. I look back on what I was eating and I think how on earth did I, <sighs> I mean, I just don't know how that's possible. I don't think it would be possible for me now. <laughs> I just don't know how I did that. I mean, it's ridiculous. It just wasn't enough. And I'd have long gaps as well, which, you know, is really not good. And now I, you know, I eat breakfast straight away as soon as I get up and I'm hungry for it. And I, I eat, you know, and, and sort of, I don't know if in Australia, if you have Weetabix, do you have Weetabix? Yeah, they're just called wheat bix. Wheat wheat bix. Okay, so like I I have more. I'll have like three of those or whatever. So like you you know the the kind of said portion size for things I appreciate is not you know with 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 the running that I'm doing I I need to eat more than than a portion. So not that I go by that. I don't weigh anything or anything like that. But um, you know, so I'll have breakfast. Okay. I'll have a mid. I'll have a mid morning snack. I'll have a good lunch I'll have an afternoon snack I'll have a dinner and an evening snack and a, and I'll do that you know every it was doing that every day consistently for quite a long time mm-hmm. and not and literally and you know even if I come back for a run and I'm not hungry just still still getting the fuel in and just the importance of that and cho- chocolate milk things like um you know, lots of yogurt. And I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, with meat, I, I eat all of the skin and all of the, all of the fat and all of the, you know, I mean, and, and all of the fish skin and I eat yes. my husband's fish skin. I mean, I've always been like that, actually. I'm just, yeah, <laughs> me too. Sort of, and now yeah. it's a bit more liberal. There's, le- there's yeah, less exactly, uh, stopping exactly. yourself from doing it. And like, you know, all of the full fat and um, yeah. Um, so I yeah. think I think and having having someone to to help with the nutrition piece um, was she wasn't telling me anything that I didn't know but it was just you know it was almost like I'd have to do these food diaries for her and for that time because I like to do things well I'd almost up my game and so I'd almost want her to do food diaries with her because I knew that my food was going to be much better on those days if that yeah. makes sense. So, oh um, yeah. I mean, that's like a tactic sometimes employed by, by these people. It's for your own information. And isn't it funny how much you do actually know, and it's simply needing someone else to look at it with you and yeah, confirm yeah. <laughs> that you know think, what you need to do. And I think it helped to work with, um, she's actually 
the the girl I worked with or the lady I worked with is is going to the Olympics um, for the for running for the marathon. So to to be like, do you know what she had? She lost her period or she didn't have a period for a long time. She's got it back and she's going to the Olympics was kind of like she knows what she's talking about. Like I can believe because I think for me, like I I sort of don't I don't trust people because I mean I work in the medical field myself and I'm kind of like I don't trust doctors I don't trust you know what people say but I was like I really do trust her because she's been through the journey she's walked through the journey herself she's a runner and she's going to the Olympics so if she's telling me what to eat I'm going to eat that because she knows what she's talking about and I think it, it wouldn't matter you know but but I think the, the belief that I had and the trust that I had um meant that you know I really bought into it and I think you know that's important to, to work with someone if you are going to work with someone and I think it was so important for me to almost be like I'm in I'm investing in this for myself um you know like I hadn't wanted to work with anyone because I was like I can do it myself I, can, I know all the stuff but actually it was the best thing that I did um, and I'm continuing to kind of work with her now just because I know how easy it is at this point for me to fall back into old habits so I need to kind of keep the momentum going in a way because I think you automatically relax when you've had a few periods you're like oh I'm fine now it's all fine and that's I'm determined not to not to slip back again um but yeah I do think you know working with someone that almost like their story sort of aligns with you or I I don't know it was it was definitely helpful oh yeah I think we want to work with and take advice from people that know exactly what we're going through and have just that that same perspective you know I were I worked with someone too even though I felt like I knew what to do yeah we're just we just have way too much uh bias sometimes to to safely do it ourselves and I think something that I really want to highlight from your story is um can a lot of people where do I start with this spiel but I love it the majority of advice that is given for HA recovery in like social media space and probably the no period now what group and that kind of thing is uh for the general population mm. of per- people who just work out for maybe the sake of body composition and not necessarily for people who are trying to compete and but but people who are trying to compete are only seeing that advice and so I see a lot of people saying like hey I'm trying to get my period back. I'm trying to keep exercising as well. I'm eating the minimum, but I don't have my period back. And it's it's like, if you are going to try and get your cycle back and exercise at the same time, the minimum is far from what you need to be having. And that minimum being 2,500 calories, right? It's typically what we hear. There's they're like, why can't I exercise and eat this much? Or, okay, I'm eating 2,800. Like I've upped it by 200 calories. Mm. You need to be eating significantly more if this is what, if that's the path you want to take. And you need to look into your nutrition and make sure things are dialed in where they need to be, not just eating more of 
anything, you probably need to be looking more deeply into what it is. So I think that you just have to take it even more seriously and you yeah. have to be even more diligent. And that's a yeah. really important point that we're, a lot of us are missing. Definitely. And I think, you know, it was kind of, I just had to be on it all the time. Like, honestly, as soon as I finished a run, I'm getting the snack in I'm, and then I'm having a meal after yeah. that. And even if, you know, if, and, you know, I have running friends and, and I'm like, oh, so annoying because you have never lost your cycle and yet you go out for all these fasted runs and whatever and fine I mean they they eat really well and you know they've never been but I'm different because I'm in a deficit I'm trying to get my period back my body needs more energy um, and I need to be on it Um, and I've never I mean I'm not a I'm not a counting person I'm I'm and I'm not a weighing person um, and you know, I, I liked it because the, the lady I worked with, you know, I'd kind of say, oh, I had, you know, three Weetabix and some oat milk and some flax seeds and some yogurt and whatever, um, you know, roughly. Um, but, you know, that that's just not, I don't operate in. So so I, I don't know. But um, I also think, you know, I've just realised that I need to eat a lot more than I thought I did. Um, And I think I knew that deep down because, you know, growing up, I used to eat a lot. Um, My dad, who I'm very similar to, eats so much. Um, You know, I just I just need to eat. And and you know what? Sometimes I now have to eat more than my husband, which was a real problem for me for a while. And I don't know if other people, you know, it's a ridiculous cultural thing that you think as a woman, I should be eating this tiny little salad. And it's like, no, Emma, I eat more than everyone at work. I eat more than my husband. Um, And, you know, that's what I need. That's what my body needs. Um, And it's fine because I'm doing more more movement and actually I need a lot of food anyway um so yeah coming to that realization is quite uh quite freeing really um so you just think I I do just need to eat food (laughs) and and fuel the training that I'm doing yeah sorry I muted myself um that is that's just the most important message for everyone to to hear like you took really important steps and came to a lot of really important acknowledgements. Mm. Yes, we need to eat a lot more than we think. And we're often comparing ourselves to people who really do not do that much activity during the day. And you're you're like having this story in your head that you should be eating less than them (laughs) because they're like bigger than you or something. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I think it's funny now because I think, you know, also my um, I would say my uh, I mean, I'm not I was very underweight at some point and, and now I'm the weight my body needs to be. But I, and I don't really think about weight. And again, I don't look at numbers or whatever, but I feel like my body has just found its place where it is. And, you know, I, I can pretty much eat anything and it's just kind of stable as as it is. And it's 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 fine and you know I mean it kind of fluctuates over the course of a cycle I'm noticing but um you know I I feel like my body's just found it's kind of this is the place where I'm sort of functioning and um you know and and now I I find it quite funny at work because you know everyone's like oh gosh are you having a snack already or yeah you know I'm 
pretty much having a picnic when I'm working and everyone else is sort of you know not eating until lunch and I'm just like how can you do that but you know it's a def definite shift um in perspective yeah um the the we need to normalize constant snacking <laughs> yeah yeah especially yeah we just need to normalize it there's way too much like feelings and shame around the fact that you might need a snack like I just or like to have a bigger lunch than someone else and we talk about this a lot in the group actually it comes up but um a lot of people are triggered by like comments and thoughts from others around mm -hmm. like what they're eating they're like oh you're eating again I'm like you're you're your meal is bigger than mm. is huge <laughs> and those comments can be really hard for a lot of people but yeah. I like that it sounds like you're just owning it yeah I think we're all we're all different aren't we and and now I think this is always the thing when I was growing up like my grandparents were like oh my gosh do you have hollow legs because it would be like an ongoing joke of how much me and my dad ate and and how funny it was but like not in a horrible way just in a funny way and now I've kind of gone back to that um and um you know I I, I think I I enjoy I enjoy food now I enjoy cooking and I enjoy the the kind of nutrition component um because I feel feel like it's benefiting my um uh, my body just like I enjoy I enjoy my cycles in a way because um, I think I used to I used to see them as an inconvenience or something. You know, uh, during my kind of disordered eating days, I think I used to see them as oh god, I've got too big because I'm having a period. Which um, you know, I've, I've now the mindset is isn't this amazing what my body's doing and that it's functioning? Um, but it's taken a long a long time uh, to get there, really. Um, but periods are a sign of of health, a marker of health, rather than, you know, something to be um, avoided. Um, yeah. And I think, um, you know, we're all different and we're all different on different days and we all, are, all our needs are different. And it's just that whole comparison thing. Um, it's comparing how much people are eating, how much exercise they're doing um, and, and, you know trying to I guess just I, I don't think you can stop that comparison trap but just kind of acknowledge mm -hmm. it but 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 refocus on your own path and your own journey and what you need to do for, for you and what works for you the basically the wisest words that we should probably end every episode <laughs> with this is like this is my story this is what worked for me um and then you know take what might work for you and leave what won't and if what if you follow you know any of the things you hear from someone else and see if it works for you be open to the fact it might not work for you and um that doesn't mean anything it's just that we're all different in yeah in the amount of activity we're doing in the amount of food we need i mean you've even explained a fair bit of genetic difference for you mm. like you have a resilient body many yeah. people you have a resilient body and you still lost your period you know like this uh, the whole thing it isn't as black and white as mm. instagram is yeah. telling you it is yeah, yeah totally and i think i i would say a, an important component 
you know because I think I think the thing the thing is and the thing why I've sort of reluctant to share my story is in some ways is because people are like oh what did you do what exactly did you do and can I recreate it and will that work for me and it might do and it might not but I think in my situation at the moment in my life I only work three days a week I have a very stress-free life right now. It's very stress. And during COVID, it was extremely stress-free. Um, I have, you know, and, and not many people have that. And so I think that's probably one of the factors why I was able to maintain a fair amount of running is because the I had a lot of time to recover, a lot of naps, a lot of, you know, not a, the fueling piece but also the lack of stress um and I think there are other points in my life like when I was doing my clinical training when you know I was at university or whatever I'm not sure that would have worked I, you know so I, I think that's a really important context. thing to con the context of my life is that my life is not stressful thank you very much for adding that in that's super helpful that's yeah. so helpful um oh yeah important for people to keep in mind if you yeah. are running yourself into the like you need to find somewhere to give you only have so many energy points in a day yeah. and you need to allocate that energy to somewhere and so if you're going to just try and overflow how much you're accomplishing in a day you know it's you're not it's not going to work yeah some that's the thing with ha something has to give yeah so if, if it's working full time, then like maybe that's one of the things. <laughs> I mean, stress is stress. So mm -hmm. it doesn't, you know, comes from different places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it was really enlightening. I think a lot of people are going to appreciate this episode and make it's going to make them think really deeply about like their inner bias, their goals, how to approach it. If anyone wants to ask a little, a few more questions to you, because I'm sure they will. Yeah. Like, so how did you do? <laughs> um, how much where, exactly where did you eat? And how much running did you exactly do? Um, mm -hmm. Where can they find me? Well, gosh, I'm so bad at social media, but um, so, I mean, I, I am on Instagram, but I don't, I've never posted anything. I just follow the other people. Oh, okay. So that's probably not the best place. Um, I am uh, what would be the best probably to email me or if you're in the HA society I'm there so you can message me there yeah we we um, can just make you exclusive to... like if you want to meet if you want to find <laughs> Emma she's inside the HA society I, I'm trying to think I'm really like locked down with with um you know hey that's okay <laughs> you don't have you don't have to be um, reachable but people can it's email fine. me would that be that would that is that a bit old school would that be um so my if you my if email? you want to give people? your if you want to give your email to the people that's your call. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm I'm happy. I'm really happy for people right. to contact me, and I'll try and answer any questions um, if you have any. My email mm -hmm. is Emma um, C M. So Emma C for Claire, M for Mary, which are my middle names. Um, <laughs> at Burgess B U R G E W -S, S at hotmail.co.uk. You can email me any questions or contact me in the HA Society, and I'll I'll try and you know share as best as I as I can my experiences. All right, guys, I'll put her email address in the show notes so it's easy for you to find. Yeah, Emma C. <laughs> yeah, M. Burgess. Like 
800 emails. Ha! <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. It could happen. Maybe. I'll be curious. I'll be curious. Usually someone reaches out to someone who's on the show for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming on. I Thank you for having me. I can't wait to see the progress of your eventual 10 plus day luteal phase. Yes. Here's, I'm, I'm, re- I'm getting, you know, my next aim is 10 plus. I think mm-hmm. that's the, that's the next goal. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, definitely. Then it's has to be. normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not letting you go anywhere until <laughs> we've gotten. No. Oh no, no. Yeah. I'm just going to be in the HA society forever. I've like had 12 years mm-hmm. of periods still here. Just love talking then, about it. <laughs> then you're like menopausal and you're like, Oh maybe yeah. I can leave now. <laughs> all right i hope you guys have a good day okay thanks honey thank you so much for listening today guys please subscribe to the podcast and if you could head to itunes specifically and leave a rating or review that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with ha who are googling around to find the podcast really easily so if you do that you're doing a service to all of the women